Christmas this year. All right, here we go. Let's sing this together. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. have a white Christmas, it needs to snow, so we're going to sing Let It Snow. Here we go. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful, and since we're no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I bought some corn for popping, the lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I ain't going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm The fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbye But as long as you love me so Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow 
Awesome. Well, on this last one, I want to hear you guys sing. It's a little bit of MJ Santa Claus is coming to town. I want to hear how high you guys can sing. Here we go. And I see Santa Claus is coming to town right here, dude. <laughs> Stand up. Say hi. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, we are really glad you're here. And I'll tell you what, for as good as you sang, though, I know something about you. You know what it is, don't you? You've been listening to WNIC, haven't you? Come on, admit it. Since what? June, May, April? When does it start now? I don't know. I, I, I admit I have been listening to it a lot. Here's why. Every day... For school, I have the privilege of taking my eight-year-old daughter, Jaden, down our long driveway. We hop in the truck, drive on the end of the driveway and wait for the bus. And somehow, I don't know how she found out, but she knew the very first day FM or 100.3 started playing Christmas. And so every day we listen to Christmas songs till that bus gets there. And I also have the privilege, Callie and I both taking turns at doing bedtime. And right now it has to include the iPhone, right, with YouTube on it. And we play Christmas requests. Uh, little Michael, he's seven. Every night, he has to hear Sugar Plum Fairy. And my kids are really into pentatonics this year. So anyway, I'm just telling you, those songs right there, I've heard them like a thousand times. But it's so fun. Hey, uh, just like uh, Hayden said, we're so glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but this is actually one of 51 Kensington services across our eight campuses. Isn't that cool? Is it kind of cool to know? Yeah, give yourself a hand. I mean, it's kind of fun to be part of a big family. We uh, have these eight campuses all the way from Orlando, Florida, where like they decorate orange trees or something down there. I don't know what they do. All the way up to Traverse City, where they probably do have white Christmases every year, right? And in between. But we're, we're really glad that you're here to be a part of this. Now, in the trivia game, uh, we saw that uh, only five songs, or it says less than five, of the top 40 pop Christmas songs right now in our country um, even mention the name of Jesus at all. But actually, it's only one. Out of 40 songs, only one song refers to Jesus at all. And I, we're going to do that song for you. Uh, it came out in 1991, sung by a guy named Michael English. No, nobody knows who he is anymore. You know what the song is? It's Mary, Did You Know? And I remember when it came out, I, I really liked the song because I love the lyrics to it. I want you to listen to them this time, a little more carefully maybe than normal. Because it really relates to the topic of our service today. December 25th, just another day. And what this song, the question this song raises to Mary is, Mary, did you know 
that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday save our sons and daughters? See, the question is, is is it just another day? And was Jesus just another baby? Mary, did you know
Hi, Mom. Hello, Jason. How are you? Did I catch you at a bad time? Nope, just sitting down to eat some leftover Chinese food. Oh, it's so late. Leftovers. Hun, are you doing okay? <laughs> I'm fine, Mom. What's up? Well, I'm calling to confirm that you'll be home in time for Christmas Eve dinner. It's in two weeks, you know. Yep, I'm planning on it. My flight leaves at 3.30. You couldn't get an earlier flight? Uh, we talked about this, Mom. I had that video call with Los Angeles. On Christmas Eve? Can't they just move it? <sighs> no, it's, uh, it's complicated. Well, okay, but we're still eating promptly at 6. You know how your father eats eating late. Yep, I'll do my best. Uh, we didn't get a Christmas card from you yet. Yeah, um, I'm actually not going to be sending one this year. Oh, your sister sent a fabulous card with Jack and the kids. Yep, I got one too. Beautiful, isn't it? Very thoughtful. Yep. Oh, mm. don't forget, you have your sister as Secret Santa. Get her something nice. She loves Michael Kors. Maybe a handbag or something. Yeah, no, totally didn't forget, Mom. Uh, but I have to go right now. Oh, that's right. Your sweet and sour chicken is probably getting cold. Yeah, talk to you later, Mom. Bye. Bye. <sighs> I totally forgot about Secret Santa. Uh, hey, Siri, uh, Michael Kors handbags. Okay, here's what I found. $350? Are you serious? I hate Christmas shopping. <sighs> Hi, Claire. Why didn't you respond to my texts? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I sent you at least a dozen text messages today, and you don't even have the decency to respond? Yeah, I'm sorry. Just been super busy with work, and I've I got... No, it's always work first. Can we not do this as much as I like arguing with my ex-wife? We need to talk about the kids' schedule. I have them Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You have them Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We still need hey, to figure whoa, out whoa, Sunday. Whoa. whoa, I have them on Thursday? And that's why I'm calling. Yes, you have them Thursday. I have my Claire, family's Christmas. I'm scheduled to be in Atlanta on Thursday. There it is. Work first. <sighs> Claire, I... Never mind. I'll figure it out. I just thought you might like to see your kids around the holidays. What day are you doing Christmas? The 23rd. You know, actually, I have an epic day planned. I'm going to start by making a special batch of my shipwreck stew. And then I'm going to take the kids ice skating, followed by box seats at the new Star Wars movie. And then we're going to cap the night off by eating a huge oversized hot fudge sundae at Aunt Betty's Diner. Wow, that sounds great. Awesome, yeah. Did you buy their presents yet? I did, yep. I got Sydney uh, Lululemon jackets, and I got Michael that LED hoverboard that he's been eyeing. You're going to have to take those back. Wait, what? Why? Why? I already got on the LED board, and Sydney doesn't like Lulu anymore. Claire, what am I supposed to do? That was one of my text messages earlier. Their Christmas list. Claire, I don't have time to take this stuff back and get them something else. Really, Jason? No time? No, I'm serious. I've been traveling a ton for work, and now they've got their stupid Christmas party, and someone volunteered me to be in charge of the decorations. Ha! <laughs> you? Decorations? It, it's not funny, Claire. I'm seriously stressed out about it. Hey, Jason, I gotta go. Sydney needs help with her homework. Okay, well, tell him I love him. All right, now, what seems to be your trouble? I feel 
be pressed. I know I should be happy, but I'm not. Of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. most wonderful time of the year, my butt. Life would be so much easier without Christmas. Hello. Uh, sorry, Claire. Something really weird just happened. Okay. Uh, and, and I still can't take the kids on Thursday. I don't need you to take the kids on Thursday. Wait, what? I'm, I'm so confused. I, I thought, aren't you taking the kids to your parents' house on Friday? No, I have work on Friday. Anyway, I'm calling to let you know the kids and I will be going away for a few days. Okay, uh, when is that? The 23rd through the 27th. Of December? Yep. I got an opportunity to stay at Disney for free, and I couldn't pass it up. Claire, you can't just take the kids like that. Why not? There's nothing going on. You're always at work, and the weather's terrible. You're taking my kids away at Christmas. They're our kids, and Chris what? You're gone on the 23rd with my kids. I thought I was doing you a favor. It's just four days, Jason. Calm down. We can work out the details later. I gotta go. Claire, don't hang up. Claire? Claire! What was that? <sighs> Hi, Mom. Oh, you seem upset. Everything okay? No, it's not okay. I seriously don't know what happened to my tree, and, and now Claire's taking the kids to Disney. Your tree? And Disney? That sounds wonderful. I don't know why you're upset. Did I catch you at a bad time? No, I don't, I don't know. Mom, we just talked. When? What? Anyway, your dad and I go, are going through some boxes, and we found a bunch of things that belong to you. We're wondering what to do with them. I don't know. Can, can we just talk about it when I come home? Uh, when's that? On Christmas Eve. Mom, we just talked. I have no idea what you're talking about. The 24th. I'm coming home on the 24th. Well, that would have been nice to know. Your father and I will be in Florida. You should have called first, hon. Well, I did! Are you okay, Jason? You coming down with something... I'm getting worried about you. What? Hey, Mom. Yes? Did you put the tree in the foyer or the den this year? Why would I put a tree in our house? That's the oddest question. Anyways, what do you want us to do with your things? I, I don't know, Mom. I'm going to call you back. I'm sure, but don't wait too long. You know yep. how your father hates clutter. Yep. Bye, Mom. Bye, hon. And repaired it with only flex tape. This is Claire. Leave a message. Hey, Claire. It's Jason. I do not know what is going on. I, I just talked to my parents, and they're going to Florida, and they're not expecting me, and I seriously don't know what happened to my tree. 
And now you're taking the kids. I, I had a super special day planned with them. At least I thought I did. Listen, I really want to spend that day with them. Can you call me back? Thanks. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. careful what you ask for, huh? I want to ask you, can any of you relate to Jason? That life could be so much easier if it wasn't for the Christmas holiday? I mean, with all the hecticness, right, the stress, the family drama, I mean, I think a lot of us can go, oh boy, it's a little too close to home. I know for me, uh, it was, there's Christmases, and I'm sure you have them too, that you just as soon forget. You think back over the years, right? Uh, one of them for me was a long time ago. It was in 1990. Uh, my brothers and sisters uh, were all adults pretty much, and we were going to be back at mom and dad's place like we always did for Christmas Eve, and we spend the night and hang out on Christmas Day. Uh, but this year it was different, and it was a tentative feeling, a nervousness about it, because seven months before that, my mom had died of cancer. And so we were going to be home in the home we grew up in with Christmas and not having mom there. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. And so Christmas Eve came. Callie and I got there late. It was actually the, the year that Kensington started back in Troy. And we had just done our Christmas Eve services, got up to Lapeer kind of late, hung out. And I got to tell you, the next day did not go like any of us wanted it to. You know what happened? We all got the flu. And we were all puking our guts out. I kid you not. Every one of us, the whole day, it lasted like two days. So here is this Christmas. We affectionately call that the Nelson Christmas from hell. Um, and, uh, but here's the funny thing about it. Even though that was so terrible, and we've all had terrible Christmases or parts of them, I still long for it. It's still really hard for me to imagine, just like Jason, a, 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 Christ, or, you know, a December 25th with no Christmas. Do this for me. I really want you to do this for a minute. Think about if everything you had planned for this year, for this Christmas holiday, wasn't going to happen. Didn't happen. None of the presents you bought, okay? None of the parties, none of the relatives, none of the... Not happen. It'd be weird, wouldn't it? You wouldn't be here. None of it would happen. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do another, and this is where it really gets powerful. Think of every single Christmas memory of your life never existed. It's hard to do. You know, I just think about the fun for me. I, I, I love the decorating part with trees and, you know, the house and all that kind of stuff. And I was looking through, Callie and I were cleaning out our bedroom closet and I found this book just this past week. It's the book, it was the Christmas present I gave to all my kids in 2011. Okay, it's a little book I put together. It was the year and pictures kind of. Uh, and I was looking through that and a couple of them that were the most nostalgic for me, I know you can't see it great, but that's our house back in 2011. 
There's little Michael. It was his first year. He's one year old sitting on Santa's lap for the first time. And there was another picture in here that I just love. It's real nostalgic for me. We always get our tree on the day after Christmas or day after uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, this is a picture of our living room. Um, and Callie sitting with Michael and Jaden, you know. And, and I just, I, I can't, it's hard for me to imagine my life without any of this. You know what I'm saying? One of the other things that was a big part of my memory growing up was traveling to my Aunt Ruth's place, who's my mom's sister-in-law, but is my, my mom's side of the family. Every Christmas Eve, did it ever since I could remember, right? Huge fun. It was the West family. I got to tell you, my aunts and uncles and cousins on that side of the family are the best storytellers ever. I would challenge any of you guys on that family. We would hear World War II stories. We were hunting stories. Get out of jail stories. I mean, it was incredible. And the, the house, the entire house was filled with cigarette and cigar smoke. I mean, you could hardly breathe. All of my uncles were chain smokers, but we had euchre tournaments all night. We ate incredible food. And then at about 11.30 or 12, we were all little kids, right? We were exhausted, and we had a station wagon. Anybody remember what those were? And we would all climb back in the back of the station wagon and try to make it that hour and a half drive back to Lapeer from Weberville, you know? I just remember fighting, and move my wagon, you know, the whole way home. But that was an amazing memory. How about food? For us, the Nelson family, you do not have Christmas morning without Callie's homemade pumpkin bread. Doesn't happen. And so... Just a few days ago, I'm at the post office with a little box, right? Because my son lives in Santa Barbara. Well, he's got to have pumpkin bread when he wakes up for Christmas. So I go to the post office, priority mail. It cost me $23.17 for that little thing. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, $23, I remember, and 17 cents. But guess what? He got it like, you know, five days before Christmas, but I sent it priority. Anyway, hey, kids, tell me what. Anybody notice this little guy right here? What is that? It's an elf on the shelf, but this is an elf on a piano. Guess what? If we didn't have Christmas, forget him. We wouldn't need him, would we? Would we? Hey, what is this? What is this right here? This is a plate of Christmas cookies. Anybody make Christmas cookies this year? Yeah, well, we don't need these anymore. What do you think? Does anybody like one of these? Might as well get rid of them. Here you go. Catch. Here we go. Here we go. You look like you could use one. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, somebody else want one of these? What are you guys pointing at? Is there something going on back here? Hey, give it up for the big man, everybody. Come on. Now, Santa, I mean, I, I honestly, I hate to be the one to tell you this, uh, but it's going to hurt me a lot more than you because I have, I'm definitely been on the nice list this year. I just want you to know that. But um, you're going to find have to find a new, new gig. There's no more Christmas. We don't need Santa anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I really, <laughs> kids, it's just pretend, we're just thinking, we're just pretending, all right, it's okay, he's going, but I mean, it is a weird thing, isn't it, if you start thinking, no Christmas memories, your entire life, that's pretty hard to imagine, C.S. Lewis wrote in his great book, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe of Another World, and he, he talked, and it was called Narnia, how many have seen that, or seen the movie, read the book, right, so who was there? Peter, Lucy, Susan, and Edmund find themselves in this world. Well, what was going on? It was weird because it was lifeless, remember? And it was still and it was cold and it was snowy because it was under the spell of who? Great white witch, right? She put a spell on Narnia. And C.S. Lewis coined this phrase. I remember when I read it, never forgot it. He said, it was as if every day was always winter, but never what? Christmas. Always winter, never Christmas. 
I like winter. I'm kind of one of those weird people. I like Michigan. I like the seasons. I really do. I like snow. But without Christmas, winter feels almost unbearable, doesn't it? So here's the question for our day. Easy to identify with Jason. Think, well, you know what? Maybe it'd be better. Maybe, maybe, maybe life would be better without Christmas. Really? A guy wrote a book a few years ago called Who Is This Man? His name is John Ortberg. And this book became the inspiration for this, this service today. Because in this book, John explores through history the impact of this baby's birth on this planet. And I just wanted... So what we did is we put a video together using a lot of his scholarship and history that he, that he really dug into. We want to show you just to help you get a grasp, okay? Get a grasp of what our world is like because of this baby born 2017 years ago. Let me ask you a question. What if Jesus was never born? More than likely, it's a question that has never entered most of our minds. So let me try another question. What impact did Jesus leave on culture, history, and the world? At first, you might think to yourself, not a whole lot. But as we investigate the impact of this baby born over 2,000 years ago, the answer to the question, what if Jesus was never born, may surprise you. Let's start with the obvious, the easy stuff, Christmas. After all, it is called Christ Mass. Without the birth of Jesus, December 25th would just be another winter day. No Rudolph, no Jingle Bells, and come to think of it, no Santa. Don't worry, kids, Santa is alive and well. What about music? Who would Carrie Underwood plead to to take the wheel? And what about movies? Can you imagine the movie Talladega Nights without Ricky Bobby's heartfelt prayer? Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. It's amazing how many movies use the story of Jesus to influence their own narrative. Believe it or not, even Frozen parallels this amazing story. In his book, Who Is This Man?, John Orberg describes it this way. Elsa craves freedom. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Is cast out and creates hell, just with ice instead of fire. And her little sister, Anna, she's Elsa's Christ-like redeemer who is wounded for Elsa's sins, dies, or freezes, to save her sister and is resurrected. Sound familiar? Without Jesus, would the cross be as recognized around the world? It marks more graves, graces more jewelry, and sits atop more churches than any other design. His influence has swept over history, bringing his inspiration to influence art, science, government, medicine, and education. He has taught humans about dignity, compassion, forgiveness, and hope. Jesus changed how we think about our week. Remember the Beatles song, Eight Days a Week? Well, there was a time when that was the case. By the end of the third century, Rome's old eight-day week had been replaced by the seven-day calendar of Israel and the church. Orberg puts it this way. 2,000 years after his birth, every time any human being anywhere on the planet looks at the date, we were reminded daily that Jesus Christ and no other has become the hinge of history. Jesus was a carpenter, but later became a teacher and a rabbi. He was asked in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the greatest commandment? 
Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Jesus added the word mind. Monasteries became places of great learning. A Jesus follower named Benedict collected so many ancient manuscripts that he became known as the godfather of libraries. From monasteries came universities. The first university was established in Paris around the 12th century, and Oxford and Cambridge began in the 13th. These were all begun by followers of Jesus so people could love God with all their minds. Jesus lived a brief life in an obscure provincial male-dominated culture. In the ancient Greco-Roman world, there was a huge shortage of women, about 140 men for every 100 women. Yikes. What happened to the other women? Well, they were left to die when they were born the wrong sex. But Jesus puts a high value on women. Check out the longest conversation recorded between Jesus and one other person found in the Gospel of John. It is in the heat of the day next to a well with a Samaritan woman. He had a deep theological personal discussion with her. He took her seriously, her mind and opinions and questions. Later in chapter four, it states, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Jesus was doing something very subversive. Is it possible that ripples went out from that one life that have affected and still speak to women today? Before the life of Jesus, if someone was sick or if a plague was taking over a nation, the hurting and the ill were simply thrown into the streets where they would wait to perish. But there was a community that remembered they followed a man who would touch lepers while they were unclean, who told his disciples to go heal the sick. In the early centuries of the church, leprosy meant isolation and death. A church father named Basil had an idea. What if we build a place to love and care for the lepers? That was the beginning of what would come to be known as hospitals. In the fourth century, the Council of Nyssa decreed that wherever a cathedral existed, there must be a place of caring for the sick and poor. Whenever you see the Red Cross or hear the bells of the Salvation Army, you are experiencing the thumbprint of Jesus. Whenever you say the words World Vision or YMCA or Compassion International, you are speaking, know it or not, of the movement of Jesus. Jesus brought a new way of thinking and living. Before Jesus, greatness was defined as power, riches, and the conquering of lands. Jesus defined greatness by humbling himself to wash his disciples' feet. In the Roman Empire, someone might be humbled by losing money or status or title. No one deliberately humbled himself until Jesus. Forgiveness is not a natural act. In the 1982 movie, Conan the Barbarian, Arnold Schwarzenegger was asked the question, what is best in life? He responded, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. An alternative idea came from Galilee. Martin Luther King gave a speech in 1961 in the city of Detroit that captures this idea of forgiveness. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love men not because they are likable, but because God loves them. You look at every man and you love him because you know God loves him and he might be the worst person you've ever seen. And this is what Jesus means, I think, in this very passage when he says, love your enemy. And it's significant that he does not say, like your enemy. Like is a sentimental something, an affectionate something. There are a lot of people that I find it difficult to like. I don't like what they do to me. I don't like what they say about me and other people. I don't like their attitudes. I don't like some of the things they're doing. I don't like them. But Jesus said, love them. And love is greater than like. 
love is understanding, redemptive goodwill for all men so that you love everybody because God loves them. Before Jesus, was there a movement that actively sought to include every single human being, regardless of nationality, ethnicity, status, or gender? Was there an intention to pursue people, no matter their moral background, education, or income? Was there ever a belief to pursue all people to be loved and transformed? Not only had there never been a community like this before, but there simply had never been the idea of a community like this before. It was Jesus' idea. When Jesus was born, it was heaven invading earth. When someone volunteers somewhere to help a left out child learn to read, or confess holding a grudge against another and instead seeks to forgive, or gets an idea to be generous with their money and actually does so, or defends the rights of a vulnerable woman, or treats an overlooked nobody with dignity, these are not man's ideas. These are God's ideas. And Jesus showed the world the heart of the Father. So let me ask you another question. What if Jesus was never born? What would your world be like? I don't know if your reaction was similar to mine. When I first read this book, I was blown away. Any of you shocked at just the, the impact, the broad scope of Jesus' impact in this world? A Yale historian wrote this once. Regardless of what anyone may, anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. The bottom line is that it's impossible to live a life untouched by the life of Jesus. It's unbelievable. The world's calendar centered around it. Untold names of cities around the world named after him, right? Half of us in this room have names of people that were in his story. I'm one of them. Mark, Jeremiah, Caleb, Stephen, right? All these people. But ultimately, what Jesus brought to the world was hope. You could feel it, couldn't you, in that piece? He brought hope to our world. He single-handedly raised the value of human life. And you heard it, from women to children to the sick to the deformed to the unwanted, right? He brought education to all, health care to all. He took the, the, the really traits that were considered weak and kind of disgusting of humility or forgiveness, and he created them to be a virtue. Jesus brought hope to the world. But what's amazing, and this is what I want to help you see, is that this act of Jesus' birth was actually part of God's plan. Daniel said it in the video. This was heaven invading earth. It actually was like a war plan, a covert underground effort to reoccupy the world, which was controlled by darkness and evil. And God had an amazing plan. And I want to walk you through this because I think a lot of us don't know this. When Jesus entered the world... The temple in Jerusalem of the Jewish people was where God lived. It was in a temple. It was one building. But when he came, you know what he said? And it shook the whole place up. He said, something greater than the temple is here. Talking about himself. 
And so this big surprise move of Jesus coming as a baby, which was God's first surprise move, instead of delivering a king, a messiah, a warrior, he delivers a baby. Nobody would ever suspect it. In his second move, he takes this baby and he says, no longer is my presence in a temple, it is now in a person. Nobody expected him. God's second surprise, surprise move. Here comes his next surprise move. He brings the Messiah as a baby. And then what happens? Jesus says this way. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. What is he saying? This king, this leader, right? This general is going to die. What kind of a plan is that? It even goes further. He says, what? That he's going to rise again. God's next surprise move. Jesus raises from the dead. Okay? So I'll tell you what. If you're in a battle and you kill the general, you kill the leader of this movement, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. He raises from the dead. You're not feeling so great. It was a big deal. Jesus raises from the dead. God does not stop here. In this whole surprise thing. Guess what he does then? He leaves. He leaves. He goes back to heaven. And leaves just a few followers of his. That are weak and don't know what they're doing. They're scared to death. That's his plan. But this is where his plan really gets great. You ready for his next surprise move? You know what he says? He says that we are going to become the temple. So first it was a building. Then it was God himself coming to earth as the temple. And then he says, we're going to become the temple. What? How does that happen? Listen to this verse, John 14. I will ask the father and he will give you, he's talking about us, another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. This is the fun part, right? This is a covert operation. Still is. The world can't see him because it can't see him. Nor know him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be where? In you. God in you. I will not leave you as orphans. He says, I'm going away, but oh man, God is going to live in you. You become the temple. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, He says, you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. See, Jesus taught this parable once that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Little tiny, it's the smallest seed of all the plants, kids. Little tiny thing. And if that seed goes into the ground and dies, in other words, gives up its will, okay, then it will become what? The largest tree in the garden. But you would never expect it, some little tree. Let me give you an example of how this played out. We, do, we have this program, it's an arts program for elementary students, Kaleo Kids. And we partner with Owen Elementary School in, in Pontiac. Half of their kids, half of ours, it's amazing. Well, one of our girls, Elia, who's a fifth grader, she's a follower of Jesus, by the way. So she's a temple. The Holy Spirit of God is living in her. She feels a prompting from God. A couple weeks ago, she goes to her parents and she says, you know what? I just don't think that we should spend any money on Christmas for our family this year at all. I think what we should do is take all the money we were going to spend on ourselves 
And let's buy presents for families at Owen who can't have Christmases with their kids. Their parents are like, uh, okay. So guess what? A couple days ago, she and her mom, Jill, delivered presents, all the presents for four families, Owen families that wouldn't have been able to have Christmas without it. That's a picture of what Christmas is. This is the invasion of God's love. Is that powerful? You would never expect, it was a mustard seed. It was a little kid. What can a little kid do? Once it dies and does the will of what God is asking it to, becomes the biggest tree, makes the biggest impact, and no one would ever expect it. In addition from heaven invading earth, you know what Jesus did? He cared about other people. You saw it in the video, didn't you? He was not about himself. He was the opposite of his contemporary King Herod, Herod the Great, who was all about himself. He, he used everybody around him to create the largest palaces. He had absolute control to the point where if you didn't agree with him, he would kill you. In fact, his own wife and two of his own sons. But Jesus never asked the question, what's in it for me? Never asked it. Not one time. He said, the son of man, which is, was his word for himself, he came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came. Callie and I have a, a good friend. Her name is Ricky Schwartz. Ricky Schwartz decided to have a Christmas party this year. And so she invited all of her friends, but it was a BYOF party. You know what that is? Bring your own flashlight. She says, everybody bring a flashlight. And I want you to meet me at 13 Mile and Woodward in the parking lot underneath the pediatric ward at Beaumont Hospital. Anybody's heard about this? You know what's happening at Beaumont every night at 8 o'clock in the month of December? It's called what? Moonbeams for Sweet Dreams. And so all these people saying, you can go online, watch it on YouTube. It's people with their flashlights, sometimes over 100 people waving flashlights up at this. And the staff brings all the kids that are hospitalized on that wing to the window and gives them flashlights. And they go back just so those kids would know that they're not alone and are loved. Isn't that beautiful? See, that kind of stuff is from the heart of Jesus. I don't know if you caught it. In ancient days, the sick the wounded children were discarded. But look what we have now. Hospitals who create programs for children to know that they are loved and cared for, not just with doctors, but people surrounding them. This is the heart of Jesus. You guys uh, know this quote by JFK, right? This famous one. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what? But what you can do for your country. Where do you think that concept comes from? That's a Jesus concept. You know what I say to a lot of you guys? There are so many of you in this family who are adopting children right now and are involved in foster care. Whole bunch of people bringing students, exchange students. from Because you're not saying, hey, what can this kid do for me? Say, what can I do for a kid without a family? See? See what? This is the heart of Jesus worked out in our place. You know the hundreds of you that volunteer every day at Kensington, or every week at Kensington. Oh, it is every day. It's right through the week. It's because you're not saying, you know what? What can Kensington's programs do for me? Could they, what, can, what can this place do for me? You're saying, what could I do to be a part of the other that this church is reaching? That's the heart of Jesus. Now, I want to get real personal now. For me, 
You know what else Jesus brings? Peace, purpose, and power. Peace, purpose, power. Just talk to these real quick. The Prince of Peace. That's what Jesus was called in a prophecy hundreds of years before he was born. The Prince of Peace comes. But here's the interesting thing. We think of peace, world peace, you know, world conflicts, Afghanistan, North Korea, Israel, right? That kind of thing. That's conflict. No peace there. But you know where that always starts? It's an internal problem, isn't it? Isn't it? If we're struggling in our families, it's like, what is going on with that person? You know what? <laughs> Look inside. We've got a problem. Jesus came to settle that for all of us. And I just want to say, if Jesus had never been born, my heart would be a complete mess. But I have the opportunity of knowing who I am. I'm a child of God. And none of it is based on my performance or my birthright or my gender, or my age, or my check account. God says, I love you as a child. I accept you for who you are. That's peace inside. And I'll tell you, when a person has that settled, they can actually look and care about somebody else. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is bringing that peace to you. And I know there are a lot of us sitting here that your heart, you say, is anything but peace. He's inviting He's inviting you to come and receive this purpose. You know what? If it was left up to me, you know who I am? I'm King Herod. I'm just telling you, in my own mind, on my own life, I want to build the biggest place I can. I want to be the most successful. I want to be the smartest guy in the room. You guys, that's, what, that's who I am without Jesus. But Jesus has said, I'm calling you, Mark, to a greater purpose. I'm so thankful he has. Because you know what he's called me to? He's called me to a life with you. See, King Herod had a life with nobody. Nobody could compare to him. He was completely paranoid that anybody would come into his grounds. He killed anybody. Everybody was a threat to him. Jesus says, no, I want everybody to be part of your family. Nobody's a threat to you. Living, he's invited me to live in a family. And you're part of it, so many of you. But he's not just said, come and live in a family and be comfortable. Come and live in a family that is on mission. And what is the mission? It's to, you know, that little seed I was talking about, kids? The mission is for me and you to allow ourselves to let go of ourself, to die to our selfish Herod self. And if we will do that in Jesus' hands, he will make a tree out of us that blesses everyone around us. The mission is to love God by surrendering to him, by following him, by honoring him. And as a result, we have the opportunity to be a blessing to everyone in the world. That's what I have because Jesus was born. One more thing I have from him is power, his power. But it's a different kind of power. It's a different kind of power. It's not the Herod kind of power. You know what he gives me power? I'm going to read just a couple things I was thinking examples. He says, you know what greatness is? It's descending into greatness. It's lowering myself below other people to serve them that greatness is found. It's losing my life so that I can actually find life. Think of Elia. She lost Christmas and found Christmas. See the difference? It's a power that shows up when I'm weakest. 
Jeff, I'm looking at you because Jeff is one of my best friends. I called him. My heart was, I was hurting, wasn't I? I just called because my heart was hurting. But you know what? I have a promise from this Savior that when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you for encouraging me, Jeff. Callie, thank you for encouraging me. Callie's my wife. Those of you that feel desperate, and I know there's a lot of hurt in this room, and it's real. Kids, there may be things going on I'm super afraid of. Jesus says, when you're the most weak, here's the secret. Here's the covert operation of God. You are the most powerful because it is my power in you that comes out in your weakness. See, I can be Herod and I can beat my chest and I can power up over people and create my kingdom. And God's like, and the world is like, yeah, whatever. Let me tell you what, when King Herod died, the world rejoiced. But if I am a person who has let the power of Jesus flow out of me, it's a blessing to everyone. 2017 has been a tough year for us. I had, some of you don't know this, but I had pretty major back surgery. My wife had hip replacement surgery. And then I got this serious spine infection that I just got over. You know, we had our family car die right at a really inopportune time. So it was worth nothing, you know, that whole deal. Other financial stress. We had kids that really had some emotional issues that were just really difficult. And it was just, just painful, you know, for our whole family. If I don't have this peace and this purpose and this power, I wouldn't have made it. You know, it's funny. I got a, one of those big birthdays, you know, coming up. One of the decade ones this year, the spring. And with my back and everything, you know, everything hurts now and all that kind of stuff. All you old people, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I think about heaven a lot more. And that's the last letter, E. You know what's great? Is this kingdom that Jesus brings, this invasion to earth, it's not about the video, what has happened in the past. You know what's great? His kingdom lasts for eternity. And it's not just here on this earth. This earth actually is like a blink of an eye. It's like a mist that's there and it's gone. And I get to live with him and my mom and with you for how long? Forever. That's what Christmas brought. You think December 25th is just another day? Oh, man. Danielle read a quote, little part of it. I want to read the whole thing to you from the book. Listen to this. When someone volunteers somewhere to help a left out child learn to read. These are pictures of this little mustard seed covert invasion of the world. Okay, listen, listen to this. This is you. This is what God is doing in you. Or seriously blesses a person in spiritual turmoil. Thank you, Jeff. Or confesses holding a grudge against another and instead seeks to forgive. Or gets an idea to be generous with their money and actually does so. I like that last couple lines. Or takes the time to actually look someone in the eye and love them. Crosses ethnic barriers in love. Or shows compassion to an infant. Or defends the rights of a vulnerable woman. Or treats an overlooked nobody with dignity. 
or holds on to hope in the face of death. Then, once again, an ordinary human being becomes the nexus, the point where heaven is invading earth. It's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. That's what Jesus did on December 25th and is doing with whom? You today. This is an invitation. I'm going to take a, I'll have the ushers come down. I want to take an offering. And I've decided to do it at this point in the service on purpose because so much, much of us, I think, look Kind of like, well, you know what? You know, what could I do in this world? I've thought that so many times, haven't you? It's like, oh my gosh, this world's a mess. What could I do? Mustard seed, mustard seed, Elia. You know what Jesus said? I'm going to leave this planet and you are going to do the same things I did. Oh, and then he adds this, except you're going to do greater things than I did. What? Raise people and say, well, what? Jesus, I've had pretty amazing things you did. You're going to do greater things. Why? Because he's living in you. I just want to encourage you. Is there anything worth grafting your life or your resources into that's greater than the movement of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ? This is a book of what's happening in our community. And I look at this and I think, oh my gosh, the story, the mustard seed story of the guy, right? In South Sudan, who was murdering people of other tribes, goes to that tribe, asks for forgiveness, and is leading people into the gospel of Jesus of love and forgiveness. I look it up, there's the, the little girls in Nepal that were saving from sex trafficking by the hundreds. It's beautiful, right? Story after story after story. I just want to encourage you. Don't underestimate the power that is in your life to make a difference in this world. That's Jesus. He's inviting you to be a part of this. And, you know, a lot of you are just visiting. Some of you are looking. You're wondering, probably with some skepticism, is there really an opportunity to be in a family like this? I'm just telling you, man, this family is screwed up. And I'm leading it. We're not perfect at all, but our leader is. And every time we get over ourself and allow him to move, beautiful, incredible stuff happens in our midst. Isn't it, guys? It's happening. And if you're looking for a place like that, I want to invite you to become part of us, not just on a Christmas. Come next week. You know what's happening next Sunday? We've got a service called... The word, a word. What would be the chance? And it's a pot, it's going to happen. This year, what if God gave you a word specifically for you, a phrase that was to define your purpose for life? I believe he, want, he wants to do that. If we will slow down and listen, that's next Sunday. The, the series after that is called Crave. You know what we're going to do? We're going to dive into all those th- hideous things, the secret things that have crippled us in our lives. The decisions that we've made that we're so ashamed of that have hurt the people we love most and we can't break the habit. And we're going to dive into that to say, how do we access Jesus' power in a community of people that love us to become free, to be agents of his love in the world? So you don't want to miss that. I want to invite you to come.
what I want to do is um, what we do as a tradition in our home on Christmas morning. We're going to do it tomorrow. Kids kind of hate it because <laughs> I'm going to read the Christmas story before they open presents. They don't hate it. But I, I want to do this for you, and I want to do it. Let's just be a family, seriously, for a minute. Let me lead you in this. And as you hear this story, you've heard it lots and lots of times, but I bet you you never heard it in this light. So consider the impact of this story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. <laughs> and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Chris, go ahead and just bring our lights down for a minute, if you would. You know, if you think about this world that we live in, there's a lot of darkness in it, isn't there? It's a dark place. 
Think about the peace, like I mentioned. There's a lot of whose hearts are anything but at peace. People we love. People that are trying to figure out what my life is supposed to be about. No purpose. People that are ashamed and ready to give up because there's no power. They don't have the power to change. But Jesus said this in Isaiah 9. He said, in that darkness that the people were living, there was a great light that came. And this is one of my favorite things we do every year at Kensington. Because what we're going to see is the invasion of God from heaven to earth. It started with a baby on Christmas Day. But that baby touched a life. And as he went back to heaven and left the Holy Spirit to live in us, we became agents of his love to the world and had the ability to pass on his light and his hope and his power to the people around us. brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth and long lay the world in sin and error pining till he
unholy and for the broken, the unworthy you came. And so Jesus, you came for the wounded and for the
for a second and I, I want you to understand uh, the power of this invitation for God so loved the world right that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him see that's our trust in him whoever would place our trust in him and receive this free gift of forgiveness from him will have everlasting life some of you have never had that up. You've never taken that opportunity. I just want to invite you, don't go another year. Don't go another year. Some of you are tired of being Herod, right? Surrender to his invitation. Let him become the light of your life. And then look around this room. This is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world in who? You. In you, in you, in you. This is the hope of the world this Christmas. Kind of hate to do it, man, but we got to blow them out. <laughs> Let's go ahead and blow those out. It's always a four-year-old who's the last one. <laughs> Here's how we want to end the service. I'll tell you, man, this ending is powerful. You ready? You better buckle your seatbelt, I'm telling you. Because what we're going to do is we're going to sing praise to God. And we're going to sing a song that we love doing at Kensington. It may be new to some of you, but we're going to blend it. You can go ahead and stay standing. We're going to blend this with a Christmas song that a lot of us know. Joy to the world. So are you ready? I'm serious. This band's pretty loud, which I, I happen to love, by the way. But I want to hear you guys. Sing out. You do that for me? All right, let's do it. Let's raise our voices in thanksgiving to God for what he has done. All right, let's do it. Faithfulness, my 
something to celebrate. Isn't it amazing? I just wish you the merriest of Christmases. I do with your family and your friends tomorrow morning. And let's breathe life into one another. Don't forget to bless each other and speak truth into the power that we have in Christ. 
Because we're going to get discouraged. But I'll tell you what, with Jesus, we're going to conquer this thing, are we not? All right, so next weekend, let's see, man, we'd love to have you back as we look at the word. Specifically, God wants to say to you so you can make an impact in this world. Have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Love you.